Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Roseberger. This is the nation's number one program for you as a family caregiver, and I am so glad that you're here. More than 65 million Americans right now are caring for a vulnerable loved one. For some, it's an aging parent. For some, it's a child with autism. For some, it's somebody with a trauma in their life. Others have someone who just got a bad diagnosis. And others are dealing with somebody with alcoholism or addiction, mental illness. Whatever the chronic impairment, there's always a caregiver. Now, some caregivers are really up close and personal, and others are hanging back. In the case of alcoholism and addiction, for example, you can't go into some of the places that that addict and that alcoholic is going to go. All you can do sometimes is just stand there and grieve, hoping that they will hit bottom hard enough to ask for help and be able to find a path from there into recovery. But you've got to watch the carnage. How do you how do you handle that? What's going on with you who are caring for somebody with this long, persistent traumas, and you've just got to watch the slow decline? How do you handle that? These are issues that we delve into on this program, and it's all about the heart of a caregiver that is usually a dumpster fire. But it doesn't have to be. We can settle ourselves down. We can journey through this a little calmer, a little healthier, and dare I say it, a little more joyfully. But it's not easy, and you can't do it alone. So we're glad you're with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. If you want to be a part of the program, go out there. There's a little form you can fill out. Just send me a note, whatever, whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind. If you want us to call you from the program, we have been not doing the show live recently just simply because we're getting through this surgery with my wife, and now she is home. I'm happy to report, and um, it's been a very difficult journey for her. She spent 10 weeks in Denver, and, and it's uh, <laughs> what a marathon. And I, I have, um, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting because my journey, now that she's home, my journey as her caregiver gets exponentially harder. And so I'm having to kind of balance out some of those things. I got to go back and read my own book. I have to listen to my own podcast and my own radio show because these are things that uh, I easily can forget. I have caregiver amnesia. And uh, just like I have gospel amnesia, I have to be reminded of the gospel every single day. How much you know, more <laughs> am I going to be have to be reminded of other things if I have to be reminded of the gospel? But I do. And I think that is the plight of us as human beings, that we sometimes have to be reminded of the obvious. And we have to be reminded from people of, of a certain credibility that we'll listen to. Because as caregivers, it's, it's hard to listen to other people when they come alongside you and, and try to offer encouragement or comfort or whatever. But if they don't have any kind of street cred in our minds, sometimes we'll dismiss it. And that's unfortunate. That's often to our detriment because they could be speaking great words to us, but it's hard to hear that from others who have not walked down this kind of journey. Or maybe I'm the only one. Maybe it's just me, but it's hard for me to hear. So that's what has been the driving force for much of what I do here on this program is because I know what it was like to, to long to hear somebody speak speak about these things in a way that made sense to me 
from a place of experience. And, and a lot of people just didn't know what to say. And so that's, that's why I do this program, because I do speak fluent caregiver. It's not easy, and, and, and people that will tell you that it is, they haven't done it long enough or they'll lie about other things, because none of this is easy. But here we are. So how do we do this? What do we do? How do we go from here? I, I was thinking about this topic that I wanted to get into today of rest. And I'll tell you a story. Years ago, I had a um, an appendix that about ruptured, and it was pretty painful. And I went to the, the hospital, and they took my appendix out. I thought, okay, we're dealing with that. Well... During the surgery, I about bled out. Evidently, they, they, there's some kind of nick they did when they were pulling the appendix out the way they did that kind of surgery. And um, it was pretty dicey there for me. And then uh, a couple weeks later, I developed a post-op infection. So I had to go back to the hospital with this, you know, I was pretty sick. And I got down there, and they, you know, they took care of me, did all the things they needed to do, and and I'm down in the the one of the lower floors of this hospital where Gracie spent so much time. You know, I can look at all the corridors and everything else, and just we, we had so many surgeries at this hospital. And I'm down there, and I'm by myself in the room. It's quiet. There's no flowers, no cards, nothing. It's just very quiet. And my pastor walked in. One of my pastors walked in. His name is Larry. I love Larry. Still talk to him today. This has been some time ago. And he said, how are you doing? And I was laying there. I was feeling kind of quiet and peaceful. And you know how some people say, you, you, you can't rest in a hospital. You just can't get any rest in the hospital. Well, you're actually listening to the one guy that, that can and did. And I was sitting there and I said, well, Larry, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord with all this. It's been a little bit of a challenge, but I'm resting and trusting and just resting here. And Larry looked at me very thoughtfully and he said, well, as your pastor, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm very moved to hear that you're resting in the Lord in this and trusting him with all this. And then he added, but as your pastor, I'm concerned that you call this rest. I was laying there with a hole in my gut and I'm eating. I'm in the hospital. And he said, you're calling this rest. What is the rest of your life like that you call this rest? And he, his point was not lost on me. And we started a conversation that has continued to this day. What does rest look like for a caregiver? I work full-time. I am the music minister of the little church where we go here in, in Montana. They asked me to do that. And I'm Gracie's full-time caregiver. When do I get a day off? What does that look like? What is a Sabbath rest? People say, well, you need to know what a Sabbath rest is. I have no idea what it looks like to to rest. I really don't even know what a vacation's like. I I've been a caregiver now in my thirty sixth year, so everywhere I go, I'm still working. And then I, you know, I I run my own business and I, I run a our, our company, Standing with Hope, the nonprofit that Gracie and I started. And then I have my own business stuff on the side. I mean, I'd, I'd, what does rest look like to somebody like me? And I've really struggled with this for, for many years. And I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm open to thoughts that you might have on that too, because uh, maybe some of you have explored this and, and come up with a better 
path than I have, but I, I really don't know what rest is. I don't get a day off, but I do take hours off. And um, that's, you know, for me, I get out uh, here in Montana and I'll get out on the snowmobile in the wintertime and, and just go for a ride or ATVs in the summer or get on a horse and uh, or go for a walk and things such as that. It's hard for me to, to, to rest. But is there something else I'm missing? Not just physical rest, but is there a spiritual rest that I'm missing? Well, of course, the answer is yes. How do I rest spiritually and emotionally? How do I rest mentally? How do I cool my brain off and just let it? You know, Churchill used to paint. I don't know if you knew this or not. I'm a big Churchill fan, and I've read a lot of his stuff. And and uh, he would paint to, just to cool his brain off from running the world. And so I thought, well, what do I do? And... I go to the piano, I play. That helps me kind of process things out. And there's some other things that I thought about. Okay, this is how I rest and dial it down a little bit. And it's hard to know these things, but I'm curious to how you do it. What do you do to rest? What is rest? What does that look like to you? And I think this is something we as caregivers can explore together and figure it out we got to take a quick break. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. Judy Goodell and her husband set up a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation. What we love about it is that it represents stewardship principles that we feel strongly about. So we got very, very excited about this opportunity. With a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation, an AFA supporter can guarantee a permanent monthly income, as well as supporting the American Family Association for years to come. We do feel convicted about really praying about all that God has really blessed us with. And so many people we know just want to leave it all to their kids. And we know the danger of that. And so we just are really just trying to pray through it. And God gave us great confirmation as we prayed that this would be a good use of the Lord's money. Find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you at 800-326-4543, extension 345, or email foundation at afa.net. Steve Russo with Real Answers. The Japanese soldier just couldn't believe the good news that World War II had finally ended. He was convinced that it was all propaganda. So he hid in the jungles of Guam for over 26 years. Lonely and afraid, he scrounged for food and barely survived. Eventually, some fishermen found him and convinced the old man that peace really had come and he could return home. His first words when he arrived in Tokyo were, It is with much embarrassment that I return. He soon married and lived a happy and productive life until he died at the age of 82. Do you believe good news when you hear it? I'm talking about the story of God's unconditional love for you demonstrated by Christ's death on the cross. It's the greatest news you will ever hear. But you need to do more than just believe it. You need to receive it and live it. To learn more about Real Answers, check out Steve's website, www.realanswers.com. That's 
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. That is B.J. Thomas singing one of my all-time favorite songs, You Gave Me Love When Nobody Gave Me a Prayer, written by my dear friend Archie Jordan. I had Archie on the program a couple weeks ago. I hope you were able to hear it. If you want to hear it, you still go out to our podcast. It's out there. I put all the interviews and so forth we do on the program out on our podcast. And please take advantage of it. It's a free podcast. And share it with some others that you know are struggling and you don't know what to say to them. Well, you know what? I do. So send them, send them a, a veteran caregiver just to, to talk them through some things and to spend some time with it. It's, like I said, it's a free podcast. So take a listen to it. I, I was that song, You Gave Me Love When Nobody Gave You a Prayer. <laughs> it reminded me of this. I was in the hospital with Gracie about a month and a half ago, and I, I can't remember what the context was. She was in the ICU at the time. And... She, I, I told her, I said, I, I had to get take off my shoes and I was going to put on some slippers just to be there in the ICU, just to be comfortable. And she said, do you have the slippers that I gave you? Because it was, she gave me some slippers for Christmas this year. And for whatever reason, I just lapsed into, you gave me slippers when nobody gave me a pair. And I just, I just pulled that out of the air somewhere. And and she kind of even in ICU she kind of chuckled and I called up Archie to tell him that. he said oh man I would have never put that together you gave me slippers but nobody gave me a pair and so anyway that's the kind of mind that I have sometimes I'm sorry about that welcome back to the show and we are thrilled to have you with us we're talking about rest what does rest look like for you. What does that mean to you? How do you rest as a caregiver? And I'm not asking that because I want to somehow put you on the spot. I'm asking because I don't know sometimes what rest looks like. As I said in the last block, I, I, I play the piano. I, I do like to read. I like comedy. I love stand-up comedy. And so I like to watch that. It, it just kind of, I don't know, just something about laughter that helps me kind of bleed off the stress. Um. I don't think of what else that I do that I, you know, I, I, horseback riding, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do like to do that. Um, uh, I, when, when I skied, and I, I used to ski, I, my, my knees aren't what they used to be, so I can't. Well, I probably could ski, but I don't want to put myself in that kind of pain to do it. And um, I like movies. I like documentaries. Um, I like historical documentaries, that kind of thing. I like really good movies with a very intricate story um, that I kind of shut everything else down and do that. Uh, but I, I don't know that I, you know, people say, wouldn't you like to go on a cruise? And I'm like, are you out of your mind? You know, I've been on cruises before, and I'm never going to do it again, at least if I have to say so about it. Because that's just, to me, that's not rest. You're 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 just, you're on a crowded ship with a bunch of people and, and there's food everywhere, and it's just constant sensory bombardment. Um, and so I, I, I don't particularly want to go on a, on a cruise. And um, I do like going out on the boat. One of my favorite things to do is go out on, on the boat. Um, with my brother-in-law, 
in Florida would let us go out and and take us out and uh, on his boat and lived out on the water and it was it was great and there were times when I went out there and um, he let Gracie and I take the boat out a time or two and you know we're just going along and dolphins are cresting and we're kind of swimming with the dolphins and and we boating there with them and it, that was that was restful to me and and I enjoyed that um, but it's hard it's hard to know how to rest when you're a full-time caregiver and you work full-time and you know you 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 own the company and and or or you're in charge of the company and you know it's hard to know how to do that yet it's important to do it um the um roman poet ovid stated uh, take rest a field that has rested gives a beautiful crop <laughs> you know and that that harkens back to the way agriculturally god directed his people to let the ground rest every so often i think it was every 7 years to let the ground rest so that it could replenish the nutrients and so forth and the french philosopher blaise pascal i thought he was a mathematician too but correct me if i'm wrong on that but he said nothing gives rest but the sincere search for truth well, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? And I think sometimes the things that keep us so churned up are the distractions to the truth. And and I think for me, one of the biggest ways that I've been able to rest is to understand that God is sovereign, that I don't have to figure all these things out. And I, I really struggle with that. Uh, I used to demand to know why God was allowing certain things and why would he do this? And then I got to a point where, you know, you can only do that for so long and then you just run out of steam. I mean, it takes a lot of energy to be hacked off all the time, you know? I mean, it does. It's exhausting to be angry. It's exhausting to be, you know, just been out of shape all the time. And I got to the point where I was learning to say, okay, I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. And I kind of got comfortable with that statement. I don't know why. I mean, it's the truth. I don't. But then there was a shift for me. It was a really big shift where not only do I not know why, I can't know why. I cannot know why. And I don't know that I ever will. I don't know that I ever can. You see, I can know God truly, but I can't know him absolutely. As a friend of mine told me, even when I've been with him in eternity for however you measure time in eternity, if there is such a measure, I will still never know him absolutely because he is God and I am not. I cannot know why. I do not have it in me to understand that. I think there will be things that will be explained to us and revealed to us and shown to us, but he's still infinite. We are not. And so I I kind of just landed in that place where I realized I can't know why. I don't know why. I can't know why. And it's okay. And I rested in that. You know, people want to come up all the time when you deal with such difficult circumstances in your life uh, it goes back to the when the disciples came to Jesus with the guy that was 
you know, born blind. They said, who sinned, this guy or his parents? You know, we have to somehow justify this horrific tragedy. We have to somehow make sense of the senseless. And a lot of times I think we're trying to wash God's hands of it. We think that it's embarrassing to think that a good and loving God would allow such a thing. And so there's a lot of conversation that goes on about, you know, why God would allow this. Because he's a good and loving God, therefore these people did something wrong. That's what happened. It's not because of God, it's because of them. And it's exhausting, particularly to those of us who live with a situation that doesn't improve with time. But then again, who of us lives with the situation that improves with time? You know, none of us are getting out of this thing alive. And time is the enemy. Death is the enemy for this mortal life. But Christ defeated death. So do we rest in that or not? Does that comfort us? Does that strengthen us? Does that give us the wherewithal to stop staying so angry and fretting and trying to figure out why and just rest in him? Since I can't do a conventional rest like some people do, it just doesn't seem to be available to me. So I've learned to rest in unconventional ways. Since the conventional is <laughs> seems to be elusive to me, and maybe to you, I've learned to rest in unconventional ways. And ease into circumstances differently than I certainly used to. Uh, in many of my <laughs> earlier years as a caregiver, I would strain over these things. I'd be living five years out in the future. And I kind of surprised myself over things when people would come to me recently, well, what are you going to do about this? How do, how do you feel about this? What are you going to do about this? What, what happens if this happens? And, and I, I kept getting peppered with questions like that from family and friends. And my answer has changed drastically my reply, I don't have an answer. My reply to them has changed drastically over the years. When I said, I don't know, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. We're not there. We're just going to deal with today. And I think for me, I go back to that quote from Blaise Pascal. Nothing gives rest but sincere desire for truth. The sincere search for truth. And in my case, I, I've sought out the truth in the matter of this craziness that Gracie and I live in. And the truth is, God is sovereign in this. That is truth. God is working in this. That is truth. God is working through this and is leading to something, weaving into something, redeeming all of it. That is truth. That is anchored in Scripture. And I am unmoved on that. I will stand firm on that. I will... Rest on that. So I'm not going to take a day off and go and do what necessarily other people do. I'm not going to certainly go on a cruise. <laughs> I'm not going to do those things. I'm not going to save up all year to go on a two-week vacation and be exhausted when I come back. But I am going to go to the piano 
And I'm going to play hymns that mean something to me, that anchor me, that settle my heart down. I'm going to look at things differently than I used to look at. I've studied art lately. Fine art and paintings have been looking at things. It's, it's fascinating to me. I would have never taken the time to do that. And I've seen beauty that I would have missed otherwise. And so maybe resting for me is learning to stop, slow down, and maybe even smell a few roses. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Carrier. We'll be right back. Hannah's Heart, a half-hour program specifically designed to encourage Christian couples walking through infertility and miscarriage. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome, mm-hmm. but this is a show that says, however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White each Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. You can find the podcast at AFR.net. Do you see yourself too sinful for God to care? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. You know, one of the big reasons why people have a love problem with the Lord is because they haven't received His love for them. They don't really compute that. They don't really believe that God could really and truly love them without conditions, but He does. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. You've heard the adage, actions speak louder than words. In the case of Disney, both their actions and their words are proving that their goal is not to provide entertainment, but to use entertainment as a means to indoctrinate children. Their intention is to capture the hearts and minds of your kids. Recently, insider videos were obtained of Disney executives bragging about implementing a not-at-all-secret gay agenda and adding queerness to children's programming. One Disney insider anonymously stated they want to use the company to make an end run around parents. They see it as their mission to rescue the next generation from their conservative parents, unquote. Call Disney and let them know you won't support a company that pushes sexual ideology upon children. Call 818-560-1000. That's 818-560-1000. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. That is Andre Crouch in the Gospel Disciples. That is his sister Sandra singing Tell Them. Boy, that takes me back a while. That's way back in the groove yard. I loved, I grew up playing Andre stuff, and I just love it. The first concert I ever saw was Andre Crouch in the Gospel Disciples. It, uh, it was at the Township Auditorium in Columbia, South Carolina back in 19... 19- Six, seven, eight, something. I don't know. I was just a kid. And I had the program. Get this. I had the program with me. I don't know why I had it with me, but I went and saw Van Cliburn, like 
within a year or so later, my piano professor or my piano teacher at the time, um, she's, I think, passed away since a long time ago, and, and she had Alzheimer's. She was a wonderful pianist, a wonderful teacher. And she took me to see Van Cliburn uh, with a lot of other students, and I got to go backstage and meet him. And I had him give his autograph, and he signed it on the program that I had from Andre Crouch's song bill, whatever it was that they had to advertise it. And I have Van Cliburn's signature on that with Andre Crouch. And I have no idea where it is. <laughs> that's embarrassing. You know, that's, that's, that's Van Cliburn. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but he, when he was 23, you know, that's when he won the Tchaikovsky competition in Moscow. In 1958, well, until that point, you know, only the Russians could do that. And here comes this young 23-year-old American. I think he's from Texas. Um, no, he died in Texas. I think he's from Louisiana. Southern boy. And he comes out of, you know, nowhere and, and nails this thing. Just an extraordinary pianist. And I got to meet him at a very impressionable time in my life as a musician and um, I will, you know, I mean, I have no, I, I don't even want to sit at the piano with somebody like him. I mean, I can't do that kind of stuff. I mean, the, the amount of skill and work it takes to be able to perform at that level. I knew a, a friend of mine who was a piano, perf uh, he was a piano performance major at um, one of the finest music schools in the country. This guy was amazing. And he told me years later, you know, after he'd had all this stuff, but here he was. He was probably in his late 50s, early 60s when he told me this. He said, I don't play anymore. I said, why not? He said, because I remember how good I used to be and I can't maintain that. And that was that was kind of heartbreaking to me, you know, because I, I came to a realization of what I could do and what I couldn't do. And to be a concert pianist, to be at that level, I understand it takes an enormous amount of commitment and uh, extraordinary amount of practice but i never want to walk away from the instrument um, my piano professor at belmont university in nashville told me once that when he was about 78 he'd already retired from teaching and he said he said i think i'm just now starting to get into the pocket of the song <laughs> he's a jazz pianist and i always thought that was great here he is at 78 and he's still learning and it still brings joy to him and i think this is for me, what I've learned to incorporate it in my life is how I rest. And so I'm curious as to you. What do you do? How do you rest? And we're talking about rest today as caregivers. And, and I think sometimes for us as caregivers, rest means acceptance. Um, accepting for what is. You know, I got an article that's um, out in the Chicago Tribune and other Tribune media services this week. And I was... Um, I was really quite moved that they picked this one up. You know, I, I have several editors that I send my things to based on, you know, what I think it would fit for. And I've been published in Fox News and, you know, uh, Christ, uh, Christian Post, WebMD, AARP, Guidepost. I've been published in, in a wide variety, USA Today, at Washington Times. And, you know, you know, it's always kind of interesting who gravitates to one particular article. Even though I try to be selective with who I'm going to pitch it to, but these guys picked it up, and I, I was kind of—I was in the hospital with Gracie when I wrote this, and I used the time there while I was uh, going through this process with her to write as things hit me. 
And I saw in the news where the actor Bruce Willis stepped away from public life. His family kind of pulled him aside, and, and, and he's having to leave the stage. And so I wrote about that, and uh, the article is called Journey to the Sunset. And I, I talk about how so many families are struggling with a a loved one who is facing encroaching cognitive impairments. And and the decision points are yeah, they're heartbreaking reminders of how fragile we are, how fragile our life is. And 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 in this particular case, more than just taking the keys away, because a lot of people say, okay, do we need to take the keys away? <laughs> we need to take the VCR away or the DVD away. Um, some of these families have to preside over a really sad exit to an iconic life. You know, remember when Ronald Reagan, uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, he wrote his final thoughts and shared it with the world. And he wrote this saying, this sentence in there, I now begin the journey that will lead me into the sunset of my life. And he rested in that. He he accepted it. You know, and as I look at the um, the Willis family, as they're struggling to care for Bruce Willis now, um, so many family caregivers are in that same place. They kind of formed ranks around him and, and pulled him out of the spotlight. And But whether in you know Hollywood or politics, whatever, we got so many families that are facing that sort of thing right now. When are the reins surrendered or do you take the reins? And sometimes the, the, the impaired loved one has this tenuous grasp on control that creates a, a rage that, that unleashes on family members and coworkers. I remember um, Glenn Campbell's widow, Kim, told me that on her show, that Glenn would become very rageful because he couldn't, couldn't hold on to a thought. He couldn't do it. Sometimes the families will prop up or enable a, an impaired loved one to exploit them for their own gain, and we see this modeled out Oftentimes, it's a lot of times in politics where these guys become institutions to themselves and there's so many people making money off of them that they prop them up and kind of cover for them. And I think that is just a very tragic scenario. And in some cases, fear erupts from caregivers. And, and conflict ensues in the family because you, real danger it can, can be at play. You know, we get behind, behind the wheel of a car or, or firearms or whatever. Real danger is there. And then you get confused about it. You know, sometimes the impaired loved one seems normal. And and those moments are very confusing to us as caregivers. Well, he seemed okay today, or mom seemed to rally. But he's not okay, and mom's not rallying. The, the valley of the shadow of death can be a very long and painful one for many, and it's particularly heartbreaking to watch the decline of those who loomed large in your life. You know, and, and I remember meeting Michael Reagan and, and talking a little bit about his dad and watching Ronald Reagan, this, this iconic figure of American history and, and how he might, I, was, I was on his show, uh, Michael Reagan's show, and sometime and Gracie sang for an event with him. And it was just, you know, really poignant to listen to him talk about that. But you know, not all is gloom and loss, and that's what I'm talking about with resting today. You learn to the first part of resting is accepting, and that wave of sadness that initially causes many to to, to fight. You feel like you're going to drown, and 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 you're 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 panic on this. And yet, if you can get some help and work at this, and with faith, and sometimes a pretty good sense of humor, you know, 
we caregivers in these and similar circumstances can achieve the what is often very elusive, which is peace of mind. And more than that, we may be able to even experience beauty in the heartache, as I was talking about in the last block. We may be able to see something we would never have seen before and find joy in it, even in the sadness. You know, Horatio Spafford understood this profoundly when he pinned the hymn over the watery grave of his children who drowned when the ship carrying them sunk in the Atlantic Ocean. And he wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You know, so much of the angst that we endure stems from an unwillingness to accept what is. And we spend all this energy and self-deception fighting against the obvious. And I think for me, that's where rest has come into place, where I'm stopped, where I hopefully stop reduce the fighting. I'm not going to say I stop it. Reduce the fighting against the obvious. And you've heard me talk about this on the show recently. Fear and despair serve as impairments to mourning. We, we're we not going to mourn if we're so busy being fearful and raging out in despair and everything else. But in mourning, we accept what it is and receive the comfort that Jesus promised in Matthew 5, 4, which he says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Not blessed are those who rage. You know, Gracie went through that when she tried to salvage her legs for years and finally relinquished them to amputation. When she realized that the fear of losing them shouted down the whisper that they were already gone. She had to accept the obvious. And sometimes we hold on to things that are destroying us, often killing us because our fear of the unknown overpowers the obvious. You know, so we see this, this step, this amazing step in public of, of this family that has kind of rallied around Bruce Willis and faced the fear and accepted it was time to leave the stage. You know, and, and it, it, it's got to be a very painful decision for him. But, you know, leaving the stage doesn't mean defeat, nor does it end the zest for life and accomplishment. You know, Dylan Thomas tackled that theme, the Welsh poet Dylan Thomas, when he wrote probably his most famous poem, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. He was speaking to his father who was dying. I remember hearing that when I was in high school, and I was just always captivated by that poem, as so many millions are. You know, we don't have to stop and acquiesce to whatever's happening. That's not what resting means. We can fight until the end. But not to avoid death, because that's inevitable for all of us on this side of eternity. Not to avoid death, that's not what we're fighting, but we're fighting to instead fully embrace life. Maybe, maybe that is a form of resting, is embracing life, just resting in it, knowing that God is working through all of these things. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back.
Hey, this is Peter Rosenberger. Have you ever helped somebody walk for the first time? I've had that privilege many times through our organization, Standing with Hope. When my wife, Gracie, gave up both of her legs following this horrible wreck that she had as a teenager, and she tried to save them for years, and it just wouldn't work out, and finally she relinquished them and thought, wow, this is it. I mean, I don't have any legs anymore. What can God do with that? And then she had this vision for using prosthetic limbs as a means of sharing the gospel, to put legs on our fellow amputees. And that's what we've been doing now since 2005 with Standing With Hope. We work in the West African country of Ghana, and you can be a part of that through supplies, through supporting team members, through supporting the work that we're doing over there. You could designate a limb. There's all kinds of ways that you could be a part of giving the gift that keeps on walking at standingwithhope.com. Would you take a moment to go out to standingwithhope.com and see how you can give They go walking and leaping and praising God. You can be a part of that at standingwithhope.com. Hi, I'm John Sorensen, president of Evangelism Explosion, and this is Share Life Today on American Family Radio. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put the full armor of God on so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Found in Ephesians 6, this is the introduction into the famous section of the Bible on the armor of God. You have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All of these are critical elements that we have in fighting the enemy daily. We need to share the truth of the gospel with the confidence that comes from righteousness, faith, our salvation, and the word of God. And may our feet ever be fitted, ever ready to go and tell others about Jesus and his salvation. So don't wait. Put on your armor today. For more on how, visit our website at sharelife.today. That's sharelife.today. Back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're so glad that you're with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. I hope you'll take a moment to go out there, look around, and see what's available to help you in this journey or be a gift to someone else. I mean, maybe you know someone who's struggling. You just tuned into the show and said, Oh my goodness, I know somebody's going through this. I've got podcasts out there that's free, I've got music, I've got books, I've got it all out there. Please don't let a caregiver go through this alone. Friends don't let friends care give alone. So please take advantage of this. We're talking about rest today. We've been spending some time on this, and I'm just kind of exploring some ways I'd rest as a caregiver. I'm 36 years into this now, and it's quite a journey, and, and it's hard to know what that looks like. Let me tell you about a guy named Cleland Boyd McAfee. You ever heard of him? You know who he is? Cleland McAfee. Well, he was born in 1866 in Missouri, and he ended up becoming a, a theologian, a Presbyterian minister, and a hymn writer. He wrote a lot of hymns. He had one hymn that he wrote in particular that was his signature hymn, that, uh, and the tune is named McAfee, too. He wrote, um, he wrote a, the, the music and the lyrics of this. Um, the guy was a very accomplished man. Uh, he ended up becoming a moderator of the um, General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church back in the uh, late 19, I mean, uh, early 1900s, I think, in um, 
before the uh, the war, uh, World War II, and uh, just an extraordinarily accomplished man. But here's what happened. He had two nieces that um, they they had a disease, I think diphtheria, and they died, and they died like within a very short amount of time of each other. It was it was extremely tragic for the family. These young girls, their lives were just snuffed out. And here's this wonderful man, this very educated man, struggling to wrap his mind around this heartbreaking tragedy. And he wrote this hymn. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before thee near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet near to the heart of God, a place where we, our Savior, meet near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God, a place where all is joy and peace, near to the heart of God. It's one of my all-time favorite hymns, and I led off with that on my CD, Songs for the Caregiver. And I've played that countless times at funerals, and, and I have found that family members would come up to me over that particular hymn. My mother loves that hymn. And it's um i can't stress enough how these hymns can provide such solace for us for those of us who don't know what rest looks like at times and i count myself as one of those y'all i'm 36 years into this and i i can't put my finger on okay here's what rest is I have found rest in certain things and changing certain beliefs in my life where I can accept even the harsh realities and trust that God is moving in them, and that causes my heart to settle down. But rest is very elusive for me. I freely admit this. But when I sit down at the piano, And I play these hymns written by extraordinary people who were facing heartbreaking things. I rest. When I go out and speak, can't do that as much as I used to with COVID and everything else. You know, a lot of people get nervous when they get out on stage and speak and so forth. But to me, that's pure oxygen for me. And I'm, I love that. I love to be able to do that. I love to interact with the audience. I don't, I don't, sequester myself from the audience. I walk out there in the audience. I have a good time because I'm engaging with people and I'm, I'm doing what I was built to do. And that's restful to me, to do what I was built to do. And I don't know what rest looks like for you, but I encourage you to explore this more as a caregiver particularly. Because as, as I said earlier in the, um, I think the B block, 
you know, what Ovid, the, the Roman poet, said, a field that has rested gives a beautiful crop. And I think we all can say that we want to give a beautiful crop with our lives. But if we don't rest, that's not going to happen. And yes, I've had to learn to be creative in my resting. And resting to me looks different than it maybe does to some others. But ultimately, resting for me is trusting that God is already there, wherever there is that I'm going. I had to stop at the surgical suite when taking Gracie to this surgery. And I, I wheeled with them, the, all the folks there, nurses and techs and everything else. And I could only go so far that I had to say goodbye. But God didn't have to stop. He was already there waiting on her. That's resting to me. Knowing that I don't have to come up with all the answers. I don't have to figure this out. I don't have to explain God's decisions in this. I don't have to know everything. I can't know it. And that takes an enormous amount of pressure off of me and allows me just to kind of be. I told uh, a lot of the surgeons, you know, as we went through this surgery with Gracie, I said, look, I'm in this raft with you on this river. I got a helmet and I got a life jacket, but I ain't got a paddle. Now, I know where all the big rocks are. And if we capsize, I'll see y'all downstream. But I'm not going to drive this train in the pan. And that you may say, well, Peter, of course you're not. You're not a doctor. But you, those of you who've been doing this long enough to know, we caregivers get into this mode where somehow we think we've got to be in there in the mix trying to figure this thing out. And I didn't. I, I rested knowing that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it, not only in me, but in Gracie. So can you rest today? Is my question. I'm going to end the show with something that I don't normally do. I normally play a song from Gracie, but I'm going to do one from me. And this is the first song on my CD, Songs for the Caregiver. You can go out to our website, hopeforthecaregiver.com, to see how to get it, or you can stream it wherever records are sold. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. We'll see you next time. Hopeforthecaregiver.com
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.